Hey, hope you had a great week. Uh, summer still on, going on. We're coming to the end. And I just want to welcome you to the Faith Brook this morning. This is kind of an unusual uh, Sunday. Many of our people are up in Alexandria at our family camp. They're ho- ho- hosting a church uh, right now, same time we are. So we're missing a few. And also what makes this a little unique, we are having to say goodbye to our Connections pastor, Pastor Mike Delgallo and his wife, Jen. If, if Mike uh, could come forward, uh, we just want to uh, recognize him. Yes, there he is. Oh, okay. Uh, Pastor Mike, we're going to be uh, sorry to see you go. We think about three years ago, we were kind of a new church and growing, and the leadership's like, what we need, we need someone to help us just kind of connect people. And this young man grew up in Southern California, but there was a Minnesota girl out there, and they, God brought them together, and they got married, and they're like, we're, we're, we're going to be, uh, we need to start a family, so let's go to Minnesota. About that time, we were looking for a Connections pastor. He showed up on in our resume search, and God just beautifully brought us together three years ago, a little over three years ago, and his gift uh, mix was just perfect for what we needed. Uh, Mike is really gifted in, in systems and connections and just organizations, and he's also been a great help in our preaching ministry, and we are are really uh, sad to see them go. Evidently, uh, God has been working on his heart. There's a new direction, a new ministry that he needs to um, be obedient to and, and walk into. Yes, so we'll, we'll never forget how you helped us. And you know, the, the historic pandemic showed up a couple of years ago. Uh, you helped us kind of survive that. And last, last fall was our largest life group uh, season in our church. And you've been working hard at just uh, helping people to grow spiritually and connect, and we appreciate that so much. So on behalf of, of Faithbrook and the good people, we want to give you uh, a little gift, a going away gift, and uh, say thank you. Also take a moment to pray for you. Okay. Well, gracious God, we just pause right now and pray over Mike and Jen. We're so grateful that the, this young man answered the call to ministry, that he knew that people needed you. And they needed to be discipled and to grow together. And he stepped into ministry and came our way. And we're grateful for that. And he's taught us a lot. And he built systems and alignment. And just uh, the way we do things around here helped us so gratefully. But we're also grateful, God, that he was obedient uh, to the opportunity that you were directing them to. So we just pray over him and them as they go into their next chapter in their ministry and their family life. We know the the little uh, girl, Evelyn, and now a second child is on the way, that there's going to be some great things for them. So would you protect them? Would you continue to guide them, continue to give them um, favor and wisdom as he continues to be a minister for the kingdom of God? Help him now, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 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 Well, thank you, Pastor Mike. Yes. God bless you. Yeah, so like I said, this last week has been our family camp up in Alexandria. And uh, part of family camp early in the week is kind of our church uh, business uh, meetings where a lot of the churches that we are partnered with uh, on our district, we call it the Prairie Lake District from 
churches on the Dakotas and the Minnesota. A lot of people show up. And the second half over the weekend is where it kind of gets more casual. And uh, kids are there and a lot of family activities. But there's always these dynamic, wonderful church services and some really challenging uh, messages. And God really moves in some amazing ways. And a lot of our teenagers are up there. We're up there. And, and one of the young men, uh, Tim Schultz, was just open-hearted to what God was speaking to him and just came to a place in his life where he needed to just not be halfway in with Jesus, not just be a, a follower or name or believer, but to truly dedicate and surrender his life totally. We're really proud of him. And so he, and on Saturday, uh, every year annually, they'll invite people to be baptized because the Geneva Christian camp is right on Lake Geneva. There's all kinds of uh, a beach and fun things to do. And so Saturday morning, uh, we just offer people baptism. And he came up to me and said, I think God wants me to be baptized. And so we ask people to share why they want to be baptized. And uh, here's his response. All of my life, I've known God in the church. But up until middle school, I was not completely with him. I went to camps and retreats with my youth group, uh, which led me closer to God. But... I would never say I was 100% serving him. I loved God, but I always kept part of me away so that I could try and be with the world as well. Until recently, when I was on my youth student leadership team, I realized that I was wrong and that I had to change. I had to be whole with God all the time. I knew I had to change, but I didn't want to disappoint God by falling back with the world. Last night, I was in service, and I was called to the altar. There, God told me if I said yes, and that if I went to the altar, I would not fall back into the world. He would catch me and hold me to his standards and give me resources to get back up. I went to the altar and prayed and asked for forgiveness when my pastor, Jim Comfort, came up to me and prayed. In that moment, I felt God calling me to be baptized. And I asked Jim and he said yes. I want everyone to know that my heart has changed and that I am not the same as I used to be. That I love God and that I would do anything for him. All right, let's give it up. Yes. God bless Tim. We're really proud of him. Well, some of you know that I did not grow up in Minnesota, neither did uh, Terry. We've been living up here for about 20 years, and we've come to appreciate the culture, even the weather, believe it or, or not, uh, and just kind of learn about Minnesota culture. And there's all kinds of little historical facts and nuances and nationalities. And I remember a couple of years ago, uh, someone that we were with uh, said, yeah, that person has whiskey plates. And I said, what did, what did you say? They said, whiskey plates. I said, what, what is a whiskey plate? And they explained to me that in Minnesota, that if you are caught with a DWI, that you're penalized by putting a W that stands for whiskey on your license plate. It's the W before it did all the other numbers. Well, I don't pay attention to the license plates. And I thought that was kind of odd. And they said, oh, yeah, that, that's just kind of notorious for our state. I was like, hmm, very interesting. So somebody's driving around, and they have that W on their license plate, they're kind of labeled as a, like a drunk. Watch out for them. Have you ever noticed that our culture uh, a lot of times is easily labels people? 
right? All, all it takes is uh, for you to say the wrong word or, or do this, and they might cancel you out or, or say you're a, a racist and whoa. Uh, maybe that the, you, you didn't turn in your reports a couple times at work and your coworkers deem you or label you as lazy. Or, or maybe you're not the, 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 the most brilliant person in your class or your GPA, and someone might say, well, you're just kind of a, a slow person or a dumb person. Sometimes when we're younger, we find people kind of categorizing us or labeling us as, oh, you're the shy person. Or, or in my day, if, if there was two types of labels or groups in my day, you're either the, the dumb jock or you are like a stoner. Uh, which one were you? I, I wasn't the stoner, so I must have been the dumb jock. I don't know. I've noticed some other people say, oh, they're a geek, right? Or, or they're kind of weird. Or how, how about um, you're a girl, right? They can't do anything. Sometimes we even have some diagnosis that the doctors might say, well, you, you suffer with attention deficit disorder, you know, squirrel, right? And, and a lack of, of focus or you are suffering with depression and these labels and maybe limitations come on our mind and our life. Well, uh, whatever label that's been placed on you or you know about, I just want to welcome you to Faith for Today. And during this worship service, there are several people that watch us every uh, Sunday up at Family Camp. I even met one of our faithful attendees all the way from Hibbing, Minnesota. Um, it's a long story. So uh, welcome uh, this, this morning. We're going to be looking, continue to look at our uh, series, The Unsung Heroes. So we know a lot about the, the famous people in the Bible, but there's also these characters so they won't hear much about. They don't get much press, and so we've been spending this summer kind of looking at these unsung heroes, what they can teach us, um, and what do they model for us. Now, I know that you're all Old Testament scholars, and you know exactly where the book of Judges is, and you know all about it. But I'm going to take you there this morning because inside the book of Judges, we're going to find another unsung hero. Her name is Deborah. Now, to give you a little background about the book of Judges and Deborah, it's, it's way in the ancient times. The Israelite people have been delivered out of Egypt because of their hero, Moses. And now, because of his understudy, Joshua, they are now in the promised land, which is modern-day Palestine or Israel today. This is where God wanted to take them. And they start settling, they start building, and, and they are really fervent with their, their relationship with God, Jehovah, and they're doing well. Well, Joshua is, is past, and, and there's these other kings. But like human nature does, as soon as we get kind of satisfied, things are doing well, we kind of take our eyes off of God. We, we don't need him as much. And this is exactly what the people of Israel did. They start looking at these other nationalities, these cultures around them, and these cultures and nationalities, they're, they're pagan people. They don't care about Jehovah God. They don't believe in Jehovah God. They're doing these other more wicked rituals and religions. And so they start experimenting with that and drifting around. And this upsets God. God's like, hello, I'm your, I'm your father. I'm your creator. You're not paying attention to me. And so God kind of takes his favor off of them. He kind of takes his protection off of them. And these enemies that are in the land uh, come after them. And now they're kind of in trouble. 
And so they have lost their prestige. They have lost their dominance. They have lost their, their power per se. And, and now they're shrinking back and just trying to survive. There's no more uh, godly king that's leading them or, or leaders. The best they can do is find some judges. Uh, some people are just kind of keep their, uh, the Israelites or the Hebrew people kind of uh, together. Some of the most famous judges are like Samson, who was the strong man that destroyed the, the enemies. There's, there's Gideon. And this is where we find this female unsung hero of Deborah. Deborah is a judge. She, you're going to find that, that she's just kind of setting up shop and helping people um, reconcile their disputes. She's not a superhero. She's not a giant leader. But we're going to learn that God is going to use her in amazing ways. So we catch up with this story in chapter 4 of Judges. And this is how Samuel, the writer of the book of Judges, um, recorded it. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now Ehud was dead. That was their last king, their last hero. He's, he's gone, and they're, they're kingless. They're just kind of drifting around. So the Lord sold them to the hands of Jabin, the king of Canaan. Now these Canaanites, these are, are wicked people. And this Jabin, he, he doesn't like the Israelites, and he don't care about Jehovah God. And God's like, hey, you, you want to mess around? Then have at it. And, and now they're under oppression. He, he reigned, and, and his general was Sisera, the commander of his army, who was based in uh, Hereshef and Aragon. So we got, we got King Jabin, and then his right-hand villain kind of general, Sisera. Now, they were the dominant player now in town uh, because he had 900 chariots fitted with iron, and they cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. Okay, now they're, they're outfitted with these um, you know, primitive uh, swords and spears, and their chariots are kind of mechanized right, and they're intimidating. There's 900 of these armored vehicles, and nobody's messing around with them, and, 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 and so they are taking advantage of God's people. Uh, the historians find that they were very horrific against God's people. They were abusing the women, uh, the children, destroying their, their crops. And, and if you go back and the archaeologists have even found artifacts with the name Jabin on their, these artifacts. So this king in ancient days was a real person. This is a real story that's really happened. Uh, our archaeologists have, have proven this. And so we find that God's people are in trouble. They are crying out for the help of the Lord. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been up against it and you're looking for some help? Who's going to be the hero of the day? So Judges 4, or Samuel, says for the hero of the day was going to be this Deborah. And he describes her in the next couple of verses. Now Deborah, a prophet, of a wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at the time. So she had some kind of influence but wasn't a major influence. In fact, she was just holding court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her to have their distributes decided. So she was like the first woman that was officed out of her own home. 
all right? Really, Deborah didn't have a great resume. Um, she really wasn't super accomplished. In fact, she was a homemaker. Her, her husband, Lapidorf, was in charge of the lamps in the Holy Temple. That's a pretty prestigious job. And there was something in that marriage, something in that DNA. And, and so there was something in her that people trusted her. And so she just went out in her front yard, and, and the address was the palm tree and the house in front of Deborah, right? And if you got a problem, go see that lady. She might be able to help you out. Now, what we're going to learn is so unique uh, about this woman, Deborah. You have to understand, in, in a lot of history, especially in those ancient times, uh, females were, were labeled as lesser. They did not hold any prestige. Um, they were, were seen as kind of like property. Uh, you just kind of show up, have kids. But the men around here are stronger, more intelligent. We are leading. But we're going to see hidden back and tucked in this little book of Judges that Deborah becomes probably the most prominent female in all the Bible. In other words, uh, maybe not as prominent, but she will f- hold the highest rank than any other female in the, in the whole Bible, including the New Testament. We're going to discover that in just a minute. Now, this, the culture there and the setting is, is that, no, women don't take leadership. We don't, we don't listen to women. Uh, they don't judge us. They don't lead us. We men are in charge, and, and you, everybody else, kind of follows up. But we see this unsung hero, Deborah, being the judge. There was something about her that people would follow her. They would trust her decisions. Now, why is that? Why in this culture where where women was labeled as less, weaker, maybe not as intelligent, that people would would follow her, bring their streets to her? What's inside of her? What is her background? Well, we're going to find in a little bit, but, but they are in trouble. Uh, the people are complaining. They know that there's damage, there's heartbreak, there's terror in the land, Jabin and his general Sisera, and they're crying out for God. Well, the next verses tell us that this hero, this unsung hero, Deborah, does something about it. Remember, she's, she's a woman. She's been labeled less. You're one of those. I don't know what was on her license plate, but, but, but it was like, no, you can't. Well, she did something. So it says that she sent for Barak, son of Abinamin, from Kadesh and Napoli, and said to him, the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, go. So she sends for, for Barak. Now, Barak is probably one of their only military experienced people in the land. Uh, maybe he was their general or had some experience, but she calls for him, and, and he shows up, and she says, hey, um, I, I, you know, I'm not the king, I'm not even the queen, but we're in trouble in here and I need you to go and fight this Jabin and his general and his, uh, this army. So go and get your men. I think in these areas or these towns of Napoli and Zeppelin and go get them and lead them up to Mount Tabor. And I will lead Sisera, this commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to Keshen River and give him into your hands. Well, uh, Brock is probably blown away here. He's like, what? Uh, You want me to do what? We all know the reputation of Sisera and Jabin and and their chariots. And you want us to go to battle? Uh, There's no way. I don't know if we can do this. And and especially he's kind of looking at her. She's been labeled less. She can't do this. She's a woman. Are you kidding me? We're going to, men are going to follow you. I, I, I don't know about this. 
You know, it's so interesting that God can use uh, all types of people, no matter what your label. If you were here a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Peggy was talking about the unsung hero of Esther. That once again, the Israelites were in trouble. There was men in the house, but there was a queen. Esther had access to the, the king. And it was Esther who stepped up and said some courageous things to that king and saved the day for her people. It seems like, again, here's another female that God is using to save the day, to step up. And now she's in this conversation with this uh, male general, Barak, to say, we're going. We're taking on these big, bad Canaanites. Uh, get your men. And I'm sure he was like, I'm not sure about this. Uh, why are we doing this? And what he's going to discover and what we can discover today my friends, it's not your label, it's your character. It's not what people placed on you or what you think you are, but what God has placed in you that builds into a character. And we're going to see three components of Deborah's character that we can live out even today. And the first one has always been already been exposed. She calls Barak because Barak knows war strategy and has war experience more than she. And her character produces wisdom. They tell us that great leaders have character or wisdom enough that they can't do it all. In fact, great leaders know that they need to maybe hire or get other people around them that have better expertise or experience in their ways. There's a, a great leadership guru out there named Jim Collins, and he says, you ought to inspire, he's talking to leaders, you ought to inspire to be the dumbest person in the room. And what he means by that is that be sure to hire people that are smarter than you, and these may be different talents or different gift mixes, and together the organizational will lead. Well, Deborah had that kind of character. In fact, he, she had that humility that says, you know what? I, I might be called of God. I might be stepping up. I might be leading here, but I'm not that good at just really how to do the battle scenes and, and the war. So she calls someone who did, and he comes. Do you have wisdom? In fact, do you have someone in your corners, in your circles that maybe you could call out? Are you, do you have the character to humble yourself and say, you know, I, I don't know how to untangle this situation. We're having troubles with our, our children. Or maybe your marriage is kind of struggling. Would you have the character and the wisdom to say, we can't figure it out, but could you help us? Uh, maybe it's just as simple as, you know, I, I don't know how to fix a car. Or I don't know how to fix a sink. And, and maybe you could find someone or know someone that has that expertise. Wise people, the people of character know that wisdom is a byproduct of true character. Well, the scriptures tell us that she sent for Barak, son of Abinin, and she says to him, go, take your 10,000 men from Napoli and Zeppelin and lead them to this, the Mount Tabor. We're going to set this up. And I will lead Syria, Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to this river, and it's going to give them into your hands. So, so Barak there is like, oh, okay, well, um, we don't have that many chariots. And he has those mechanized chariots and all those, those men. And uh, I'm not sure, right? And, and she says, go, we can do this. In fact, she's like, oh, yeah, God's going to leave Sisera, this general, and it's going to be okay. And, and I, let, let's go for this. We see the second component of this character. 
character trait, and that is produces courage. This lady is full of courage. Now, the people are, are worried, right? Uh, they're not really sure. Barak is worried, but her courage is inspiring. We can do it. Let's take it. You know, I, I love, uh, I'm a connoisseur of courageous people, of heroes out there. Uh, I've been put in some predicaments um, to, to, to step out, and it's not always easy. I appreciate people who step out. I've noticed in our community sometimes there's, there's gaps. Um, I've found where parents bring all their kids to Little League, right? And I say, anyone to coach them? And everybody's like, no, I, I got things to do. And they're like, well, we're, we're, we're lacking coaching. Anybody coach? And, and some parents volunteer and say, I'll coach. Uh, to these days, we're, we're looking for people to run for a school board. Um, there's a lot of school boards that need some people with some traditional values. And, and people are scared out there. And so it takes a lot of courage, like Deborah, to say, I'll, I'll be willing to, to, to run and, and maybe um, serve on a school board. Even around here at Faithbrook, it takes uh, uh, some character traits of courage, right, to even volunteer. I, I get a big kick out of our youth volunteers and sponsors. Hey, would you like to come on Wednesday nights or Tuesday nights for our youth ministries and kind of be there and help lead like a group? And a lot of people are like, no way. That scares me to death. What if those kids ask me something that I don't know the answer and they're weird and all that kind of stuff? Count me out, right? Or, or would you like to go and, and serve in the nursery? You know, there's babies and they might have a diaper issue. Oh, no way. So I really look up to people who are volunteering. Even as I'm speaking, there's someone in the nursery volunteering. Uh, so people today stepped up to be a greeter, right? And, and that takes courage. Well, I don't know everybody. And what would they think of me? And, and so we see that character produces courage. They're willing to step out and, and, and take on some risk or address a need, maybe in our community, in our world, even in our local church community here, and Deborah displayed this character trait of courage. Well, Barak, he's struggling with this character trait of courage, and he responds to her in verse 8. Well, uh, he says to her, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. In other words, I'm out. If, if you're not going there, man, don't count me in. Uh, he's worried that you're going to get slaughtered, and it's not going to go well. Now, now what's ironic here is that uh, this man, this strong General Barak, right, who's been in war before, he, he's, he's saying to this labeled female, I'm not going unless you go, right? And I'm sure in the culture, you're, you're like you're, you're asking a woman to lead. He's never done that in his life. Nobody ever does that. And now he's asking this this female who's been labeled, oh, no, you, you, you can't lead. You're, you're back here. You're women. You, you, we, don't, we don't need you, right? And now this man needs her desperately. If you go, you, I will go. Well, we see the third component of this character in the next couple of verses with Deborah. She says, certainly, I will go with you, she says. But because of the courage you are taking, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So here she shows that she's willing to jump in. I will go with you. And by the way, Barak, you're not going to get the real victory here. It's going to be in the hands of a woman. Now take note of, of that. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. And the third character trait our character produces is faith. She had such a faith in her God that she was courageous. She was wise. She was willing. 
You know, uh, it says there that, that her character produced faith. I would probably turn that around and say her faith produced her character. It's when she had such an intimacy and such a relationship with God Almighty that she was willing to be courageous. She was willing to lead the charge, even though she wasn't built for leadership, even though she's just being a homemaker and people are showing up on their doorposts saying, hey, we need some help here. And she starts stepping up. She wasn't looking for that, but because of her character that came from her faith, people started following her, even men. Now, Barak summoned uh, the men of Zeppelin and Napoli and 10,000 men uh, showed up and went up under the, the command. And there was Deborah going up with him. Now, I just love this sight, right? Is, is that this woman, she's the only one of 10,000 people there walking up this side of this mountain. And I'm sure that the troops are back there saying, man, I, 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 that, that woman's up there, right? And, and the other guys, yeah, we had her labeled as, uh, you know, she's lower class and we don't need women and they can't do it, you know? And she's right up there with General Barack, right? And, and, and why would men do that? Especially in those days. Even today, I would suggest that there are even some struggles in society of America uh, that, that uh, oh, we got a female that's a CEO, our female that is leading. We almost had a female as a, a president. And, and there might be some, some labeling there so, so we, can't, we can't do that. that that's, a, that's a female. And we kind of label them a, a little. And, you know, it also happens in the local churches. So, so sometimes there's local churches that female lead pastors. And, and there's some tribes that would say, well, that, we can't have that. We, then in the Bible, you know, men, women should just be kind of quiet and stuff. And there's some conflict and some, some tension there. You know, I've kind of, kind of looked at that through a distance about, hmm, uh, how does that work in local churches? And this is what I've s- discovered. And this is what I would, would s- suggest is that <clears throat> men will follow someone with character. So it's really not about the label, it's about the character. It's really not about the gender, it's really about the character. Because most people don't really care about your gender, most people care about your character. Can they trust you? Are, are you inspirational? Are, are, do you have integrity? Uh, can you lead well? <clears throat> and the label, or the second, um, the the uh, gender is really just uh, uh, something that doesn't really matter. It's, about the, it's not about the label, it's about your character. Now, friends, <clears throat> maybe some of you may be watching or here today, you've been labeled. Um, maybe you've failed in your past. Say, well, you know, oh, you're that person, right? Maybe, maybe you have a W on your license plate. Some say, oh, well, you're, you're, you're a widow, you know? That's the widow over there, a widower. Maybe you're a divorcee. Uh, maybe that, that maybe you've been incarcerated or something or, or been arrested. And so we just kind of write you off and say, well, you're lesser, uh, lower class, right? But not in the eyes of God. God always took lower class people. God always took the people who are broken. All those people, the people messed up and said, man, I will redeem you. I will rebuild you. I will do something um, great in your life. And there's a lot of these stories. One of my favorite one was the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. He wrote a lot of the New Testament. Everyone kind of knows who the Apostle Paul was, but that guy was a lower class. He was, he was labeled as a, a jerk 
Because before he was a converted in a Christ follower, he was a Christ hater. He was Saul. Nobody liked him. In fact, when he started showing up on the scene, everybody labeled him as a persecutor. Stay away from Saul. He hates Christians, right? But God saw something different. He didn't see his label. He didn't see his failures. He saw what he could produce and redeem and forgive his sins and heal him and cleanse him and empower him and infuse him. And, and he became one of the greatest leaders in, in the Christian way. That's what God does. It's not about your label. It's about your heart. It's about the willingness to grow and to build into Christ-like character. I was listening to a podcast a couple of weeks ago when <clears throat> this lady who does a lot of public speaking as a leader in her own right, and a lot of people listen to her, she was sharing when she was younger, she was kind of labeled as shy. She never thought that she would ever be a public speaker. She couldn't do that. She was just shy and introverted. But through Christ changing her and empowering her and healing her and bringing her confidence, now she speaks to thousands of high-end people. How does that happen? It wasn't because of what people labeled her or even she labeled herself. It what God could do through her and her character is now touching many people. Well, this is what Deborah was displaying. So now it comes to this big battle. Deborah and Barak has their 10,000 people on Mount Tabor. Here comes Sisera and, and the game is on. There's going to be an epic major battle clash. And so Deborah said to Barak, go, this is the day that the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? All right, Barak, this is the time. They're down there. Let's take them. Let's go, right? And when she said that, man, it inspired the people. In fact, there's a commentator, Bill Lusseth, that said her courageous voice sounds forth like a clear notes of a trumpet of freedom. We're tired of being under bondage. We're tired of just living under these labels. We're tired of this, this victimization, man. And a leader steps up. And it wasn't a male, but it was a female named Deborah that she says, man, we can do this. Let's get them. Let's go. And here they come rolling down this hill. So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. Now, the, the scriptures don't give us a lot of details of this battle, but can you just kind of picture like uh, the, the clash of the titans or the lord of the rings? You know, you got the orcs and you got the fellowship and these armor clanging swords, spears, chucking right and just massive of people coming down and there's just this major clash battle going on. But the only uh, details that we get is the next verse that says, and Brock advanced. The Lord routed Sisera and all of his chariots and army by sword. So they're just <laughs> clashing, bang around, battle right, and he routed them, right? Now, the scriptures tell us all of a sudden Sisera, this heroic villain, right? He thinks he's all that. He's saying, oh my goodness, the, the battle is, is turning. They are winning. They are something that's crawled up in them. There's some kind of force. They're beating us and they're coming after me. I'm in trouble. So like a good heroic general, right, he sneaks off. The, the, the scriptures tell us that Sisera got down from his chariot and he fled on foot, right? He, he's now at getaway, right, running for his life. 
So I'm not going to give you all the scriptures here, so, 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 but, but it shares that he starts running through the foothills, and just like in the movies, okay, just like in the action movies, if you're into action movies, right, uh, that you usually have the good guys, you have the bad guys, and the Marvel movies, and all that kind of stuff, bringing, man, usually comes down, come on now, usually comes down for the, 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 the last epic villain dude, right, he's still living, and, and then you got the hero, and so the villain runs off, and they, before you know it, the villain um, meets off on the top of a skyscraper or some back alley, and it's just the good guy against the one villain guy. And this is the setup here. So Cicero's all alone. He's running, and the scriptures tell us that, that through the hills he finds this little village. And these are um, people that, that are not part of the, the battle, but everybody knows there's a big battle in the area, right? And they're a different tribe, and they just kind of have a, a, a neutral um, agreement with these, these people that were, were not in the fight, right? Now, there's not many men around here, but there's a tent on the outside of this village, and there's one single little woman named Jarell, right? She's just minding her business, kind of deal. All of a sudden, out of the bush comes Sisera, this big, honorary general, right? And he just comes coming up to her tent, the scriptures tell us. And now, now he's just been in this battle running for his life, and she can tell something's wrong, man. He's out of breath. He is exhausted. He's been sweating, and there's blood all over the place, and he's just dragging himself in. <laughs> I need some help. I need some help. And she, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. There's just like, no guys around here or anything. Ah, right? And, and she probably recognizes who he is because he's notorious. Everyone knew who Cicero is, and he's the captain of the army. I've, I've seen you before, right? I saw you on TV, but we don't have TV. Uh, but, but I know who you are, okay? And he said, man, I need some help. I'm so thirsty, and I need a shelter. I need shelter. I'm, I'm, I need to come in your tent. And she's like, well, who, who am I, right? And she, she brings him into their tent, and he says, man, can I have something to drink? And she pours him some, some uh, milk, and, and he, he starts relaxing and calming down. And, man, he realizes that he's been up for 48 hours. He's exhausted. He needs to sleep. So he says, now, listen, I'm going I'm to sleep right here in your tent, and I need you to be on the lookout because people are after me, like Barack, right? I know he's pursuing me. So uh, I want you to stand right here at the tent door, and if anybody shows up, you tell them you haven't seen anybody. Just go away. And she says, uh, okay. I mean, what is she going to say? She just, you know. Uh, so he falls asleep, the scriptures tell us. And she, she, she's standing there and walking around, and she starts getting her composure, right? And she, she's like, I know who this guy is. This is like the baddest dude on earth right now, and he's evil, and he's killing all these people, and he's in my house. He's, he's on my floor sleeping. He's snoring, right? And, and this, this, this Jarrell that we hardly know anything about, she, she's not even an Israelite, right? She's just in God's plan. And this guy out of the blue shows up laying in her house, and, and she gets this notion she ought to, like, take him out. <laughs> She's like, you know, I have a possibility of killing him. He's not even awake. And so she looks around her house. I, I think I will kill him. And she's like, well, I don't have a sword. I don't have a spear. But, man, he's laying right here. I could just, mm, right? And the and only thing she finds, and this is where it gets kind of graphic, so if you're underage, just kind of hang on, right? She finds a tent peg. Right? A tent bag. They got a lot of tents, a lot of tents, and a mallet. So, I don't know. God gives her an idea, says, take them out. So she grabs that tent bag, the, the scriptures tell us, and she puts it up against his temple and just thumped him and drives that into his skull, and he's dead. Just like that, little Jarrell takes up the big general, Sisera. He's a goner, right? This little woman, right? The scriptures tell us, all of a sudden, Barack shows up on the screen. It's just like the movie, right? 
had just then brought, came by in pursuit of Sisera, and Jarrell went out to meet him. Come, come, she says. I'll show you the man you're looking for, right? So he went in with her, and there lay Sisera with a tent peg through his temple, dead. He is a goner, right? Can you imagine this scene? I mean, this is better than the movies, right? And, and here's Barack, like, where's he get him and stuff? And there's this little woman and the big bad guy on the floor with a tin peg in his head, and he's like putting it together, like, what, what, what happened here, right? And she's probably looking, right? I, and he's like, did, did you do that? She's mm-hmm, right? She, You're only this big, and he's like giant, and what are you talking about, right? He's like, that's all I had. I just, I knew he was a bad guy, and I had an opportunity. He's like, boom, thumped him right there. <laughs> I'm sure Brock's just shocked, right? And then he remembers what Deborah prophesied. Deborah prophesied, for the Lord will deliver Sisera in the hands of a woman. And there's the woman. He never met her, didn't know her, but that guy got taken out in the hands of a woman, just like the woman Deborah prophesied and said. Wow, the women of God had a good week, let me tell you, right? And on that day, the scripture says... God subdued Jabin, the king of Canaan, from the Israelites. The tide started turning. The people of God started getting their confidence back. The favor of God started coming back on them because one person was willing to step up. Her name was Deborah. She was not going to succumb to her label and what society said she was. She was willing to be obedient of God and do what she could. And the hand of the Israelites pressed harder and harder against Jabin, the king of Canaan, until they destroyed him. Wow. This is an awesome story. Here's this person that's been labeled all her life that you're lesser. You can't do much. There's other people more important to you, stronger. And God loves them maybe more. And, and, but she realized that she character was developed. Courage and wisdom and faith that she could do anything that God asks her to do. So, so what can we learn from this? What can we learn? Well, we can learn that, man, it's not about your label. It's about your character. In fact, Deborah also was a songwriter. If you go to chapter 5, after this battle, after this victory, she's emoting, she's writing, she's singing everything that kind of what happened and giving her Lord praise. That's another character of godly character. It's not about you. It's not about your accolades, your status, your position. It's about God. And in the, one of the last verse of the song, she writes this. So may all the enemies perish, Lord, but may all who love you be like the sun that, is rise, that rises in its strength. Deborah gives us a word picture. Oh, may all who love you be like the sun when it rises in its strength. There's something about the dawn. There's something about a new day that that sun comes up and gives light. It gives strength. It gives energy. It gives warmth. It, it gives strength to the land. This is what Deborah is visualized. Those who love God, may they rise up like a sun. May they see the confidence, not just succumb to the label or their failures or their sin, but start a new life in you 
that helps them to thrive and to, to be like the sun. That's why here at, at Faithbrook, our, our slogan is to, um, to lead people to a new and thriving life in Christ. We believe that the more we are closer to God, the more we can thrive in strength. Doesn't mean we have an easy life. Doesn't mean that we have a, a, a perfect life. It means that we can thrive just like Deborah did in our character. So when the chips are down, right? That we're not giving up like Barack. We're, we're not, we can't do this, but we can have a courage. We can have a wisdom to navigate life and family and finances and issues in our society. But it all boils down to that trait of faith. Those that all may, all who love you, be like that sun when it rises in strength. That's my hope for my life. God's not looking for me just to be perfect and always on fire and perfect, but if I can nurture my relationship with God, that, that I can walk into a room, I can go to the office, I can go to the community, I can walk in my living room, and then hopefully people will say, well, Jim, we know you're not perfect, right? But there's something about you, your character, that you bless us. You're strong. You got something to say because you've been with the Lord. My friends, again, it's not about our label. It's about their character. Maybe God is calling you to be that Deborah, that hero in your family. Maybe in your family, people don't care about Jehovah God or, or, or Christ, and they're just doing whatever they want, but you're the person that seems to be kind of solid, firm, um, hopeful, right? Why, why is that? There might be times in your family issues or even in your work life where people are chaos, they're fighting, they got problems, and they go to the, the palm of Deborah. And Deborah's going to be there where they can bring their disputes and their struggles and their stresses, and you're the Deborah. You're, you're the one that, that's maybe not a major hero. You don't have that preaching degree and all that status, right? But you're that simple homemaker like Deborah is willing. I'm willing to go in my front yard. If people come, they got an issue. I'm willing to be that person of character, a character of Christ to help people. And when the chips are down and it's scary out there, and how are we going to overcome? Who's the Deborah? Are you a Deborah? Can people come to you and say, you know, I believe you have some faith. I believe you have some hope because there's some enemies and there's some troubles. And you could be that Deborah, that unsung Hebrew that steps up. See, God's not looking for people. God's not, God is looking for people with limitations. If you have limitations, you've been labeled. That's exactly who God is looking for. Praise God for that. All those high-end people that have no problem and just everything rocks in their life, they don't need God. God's not looking for those people. He's looking for people that have been hurt, people that have been labeled, the people maybe be lower shelf. And God says, I can do something with your life. If you're willing to be like a Deborah, to say, man, I want to love you. I'm going to learn from you. I'm going to grow for you. And then God says, I can use you because there's going to be some battles and people will follow you. Well, I'm glad that you've been viewing us today. I'm glad that you've been listening attentively. I believe God wants to help us through these stories of these unsung heroes. So I invite you to stand as we close today just to kind of digest this and pray before we go. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these stories in the Bible, especially this story about this kind of unknown person, Deborah. This female that was living in a land of a lot of male dominance. But when the chips were down and there was problems in the land, it was this, this lady who was labeled less that stepped up 
and was willing to give hope, to have faith, to lead the charge, and people followed her, and the land was redeemed and changed. I pray, God, that we would have that kind of faith. Maybe we're just a simple homemaker. We don't have labels behind our names or great status or resources, but we can be open and receptive to your your heart, your love, your Holy Spirit in our life, to give some kind of light, to give some kind of love and leadership out out there. Help us to be people of character, especially when the battles are on. Give us great wisdom to navigate. Give us that courage, God, to make decisions, to lead the way, to step up, to take a risk. May it all come down to our relationship and our faith that we have been nurturing. Touch us and help us. We need you. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.